Hey, welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, Ministry of Greater Worship Christian Church in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Apostle Robert Enos. This is where we talk about the issue the church faces and how the church should respond to those issues. Here we will talk about doctrine, theology, politics, social and cultural issues, and how the church is to deal with these things. So get ready for a large dose of truth and get ready for the tables to be flipped. Here at Table Flippers, table flipping is what we do. Hello, friends and family. Here with you again. Today we're dealing with chapter 7 of my book, Time for Transition. The title of chapter 7 is Becoming Kings. Now this is important for all of us because the Word of God in the book of Revelation tells us that because of the finished work of Jesus in our life, being washed of our sins in his blood, he has made us kings and priests. So we don't always understand what that means just by reading one passage or one verse. So we get to look at the good kings of Israel to get a glimpse of how they interacted with people, interacted with God, their lifestyles, their leadership abilities. And we can learn some things from them on how to be a true king to the king of kings and a king in the earth. So just keep that in mind as we read through this. But I'm going to start reading on page 99 of my book under the heading Becoming Kings. It is sometimes hard to make the transition needed to put us where we need to be for a fresh and right now move of God, but change we must. It is a bit funny, but for the most part, we are only transitioning back to God's word and God's will, nothing more. God is expecting us to come fully back to him and to obey what he has put in his eternal word. This may sound strange, but as we have been finding, we have been separated from God in many ways because we have not been living wholly by his word. The transition is here as it was at the time of Saul and David. 1 Samuel 15 verses 34 and 35 says, Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house at Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Saul was not only disobedient to the will of God, but he was also disrespectful towards Samuel, the premier prophet of Israel. Although Saul was the king, a political figure, Samuel was the spiritual leader of Israel. He deserved respect and honor even from the king, and yet Saul was so caught up in his own personal glory that he found it easy to disrespect the one responsible for setting him in a position as king. In the modern church today, we have a strange array of ideas and expressions towards those in position of authority. I know church leaders that demand the people of their church to treat them in such a manner that it looks more like a servant-master relationship than a shepherd-lamb relationship. I have seen disgusting displays of abuse of authority from church leaders that act as if the only purpose of the people of the church is to serve them. This type of behavior is usually wrapped in such titles as armor bearer. These real biblical concepts and ideologies are being perverted to benefit the church leader, not the members of the congregation. I've also witnessed the pendulum swing to the other extreme. I know church leaders that do almost everything in the church with very little help from anyone in the congregation. 
Both extremes are wrong. To act as if the people are your servants doing nothing but speaking from the pulpit is entirely wrong. However, it is equally wrong for church leaders to do everything in the church. Somewhere a healthy balance exists. Somewhere real leadership is setting the example of doing the work of ministry and delegating it to others. Remember, we are to establish the example for others to follow. This means that church leaders are to roll up their sleeves and get dirty, and we should be doing it alongside others that are willing to do the same. Pastor, when was the last time you vacuumed the church or scrubbed a toilet? 1 Samuel 16 verses 1-5 through says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you must do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peacefully? And he said, Peacefully, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. He then consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And Samuel still mourned for Saul. Why? Samuel poured himself into Saul, making him a type of spiritual father to Saul. Now his spiritual son has fallen and become a threat to him and has been rejected by God. Samuel's mourning for Saul shows the heart and character of Samuel. If Saul had the same character, he may have mourned over his sin and disobedience, which would have changed this story and his destiny completely. A demand is placed on those in leadership a need to respect and honor one another, but especially our fathers and mothers in the faith. We are to revere those who have poured themselves into us. I cannot tell you how many times I have seen people mistreat and neglect those who help to raise them up in the things of the Spirit. This is especially true when someone makes it into the big leaves of ministry, so to speak. I have watched where the Samuels of our day pour themselves into the spiritual sons and daughters only to be left by the side of the road when those sons and daughters make it. It is not always fame and fortune or big ministry. It can be almost anything that detracts the sons from their fathers. This has happened to me many times. People come into my church and when I see great potential in them, I develop a relationship with them and pour myself into them, raising them up much the same way Jesus raised up his disciples. After months, sometimes years, and countless hours, they disappear without as much as a proper goodbye. These types of Sauls cut themselves off and stunt their own growth by walking away from the source of influence and empowering God established in their life. In nearly every one of these circumstances, they move on to nothing. They have to start all over because they left the one that was raising them up as a son or daughter in the Lord. Several years ago, a family came into the church and became members. I saw and recognized the potential for ministry in the husband and wife. So my wife and I developed a close relationship with them, or so we thought. For years, we poured into them and steadily escorted them up the ladder of ministry. I had a plan to make them the associate pastors of the church, 
with the idea of turning the church over to them. Literally, just before I was to establish them as the associate pastors, they disappeared without saying goodbye. It took me weeks to track them down and speak to them. No real reason was given for leaving the church and ministry. They simply wanted to move on. They never knew just how close they were to being asked to be the associate pastors of the church, which would have directly led to being the senior pastors of the church. It is sad, but their disrespect and dishonor kept them from gaining the entire church. That was just the first few pages of this chapter, chapter 7. I want to jump down and read a few other quotes from my book. It is interesting to know that when Samuel came to Bethlehem, the elders of the city became afraid, asking, Do you come peacefully? The elders of Bethlehem knew that a prophet such as Samuel would not come for merely a visit. A prophet on the level of Samuel would come either to bless or to curse. This is why they approached Samuel with great reverence and even fear. In other words, they treated him with genuine respect and honor, the respect and honor due his position. The elders of Bethlehem gave the respect and honor to Samuel that Saul also should have given. Samuel was not some out-of-line parking lot prophet or house prophet, but the premier prophet of Israel. The king himself should have honored Samuel as God's mouthpiece to the nation. These elders knew that Samuel carried with him the word of the Lord that could build and establish or tear down and destroy. When Saul was looking for his father's donkey, he did not even know who Samuel was. Compare the way Saul treated Samuel to the way these city elders treat Samuel when he arrives. Samuel came to Bethlehem to find the man that would replace Saul as king. Samuel was in for somewhat of a surprise and education in the way God looks at people. God is so much higher than you and I that it should never shock us that God thinks on a much higher level as well. He sees what we cannot see and knows what is unknowable to you and I. Samuel found this to be true. A subtitle in this chapter, Not Important Enough to be invited to the party. 1 Samuel 16, 6 through 13. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring for him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, with bright eyes, and good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Samuel is now with Jesse and his sons. Samuel goes in not knowing which of Jesse's sons would be the next king of Israel. He just knows one of them is the one that God has chosen. Samuel looks at these men through his natural carnal eyes, the same eyes that he looked through when Saul was selected. However, 
God was about to give Samuel a lesson on looking with the eyes of the Spirit. It is interesting to note that this was Samuel the prophet, not just anyone. This is the man that God honored every word that came from his lips. This shows that even the most anointed among us can still give in to the flesh at times, and this was one of those times. This portion of the story should wake us all up to the reality that we can, and often do, make the mistake of establishing the wrong people to be our leaders and for the wrong reasons. Churches have suffered severely because the church leaders merely looked the part, but lacked the calling and anointing for the part. Nations have suffered because presidents and leaders were voted in simply because of some clever catchphrase instead of an actual ability to lead the country to health and strength. It seems like the ones that look best in front of the camera gets the job. Is it not sad that we have settled for outside appearances over depth, character, and substance? Is it not sad that we have become so shallow? 1 Samuel 16, 6 and 7 again. So it was when they came, he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but as the Lord looks at the heart. We need to see as God sees. After Samuel had stood before each of the sons that Jesse presented, God rejected them all, asking Jesse if any other sons were missed. Jesse points out that the youngest was out with the sheep. David, the youngest of Jesse's sons, was not even invited to the party. Jesse himself, David's father, did not even think David was important enough to be invited to the event that hosted Samuel. David was rejected by his father, but his heavenly father had not rejected him. Notice that David was close by, but still not part of the festivities. David was busy tending the sheep. In other words, David was simply found doing what he was supposed to be doing. Once David stood before Samuel, the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. The one rejected by his father and yet still remained faithful was the one that inherited the throne and the nation. The seemingly insignificant one, not even invited to the party, was the one God chose as king over his people. God often rejects what seems to be the best choice and will choose the underdog at times. As I have said many times before, God is raising up that which seems insignificant and small. It is these that will do great things in the earth. The David generation is in the field with a few sheep, being trained by God to lead his people. The Sauls of this generation are about to be replaced by the Davids that God is raising up. The question I have is, will we recognize these Davids as the leaders God has chosen when they come out of the fields? Subtitle, The Horn and the Flask. 1 Samuel 16, 1. Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. It is interesting that God gives explicit instruction about the vessel that Samuel was to use in anointing David as the king of Israel. God tells Samuel to fill his horn with oil. This is different than the way Saul was anointed. Saul was anointed from oil from a flask or a vial. 1 Samuel 10.1 says, Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? 
This may not seem like a big deal, but it is when you look at the life and leadership of Saul compared to the life and leadership of David that you see why this is important. It is interesting to note that the anointing oil is the same, but the vessels that it comes from are different. Saul is anointed from a flask. A flask is man-made. David is anointed from a horn, most likely a horn from an animal used in sacrifice. A horn is God-made. Saul was made king because the people wanted a king just like other nations. Although the anointing oil is the same, it came through the desires and work of man. David was a king after God's own heart. David was a king of God's making and desire. Often we establish and follow leaders that seem to be everything we want in a leader. We tend to follow leaders that look the part, sound the part, have all the right catchphrases, know the right people, come from the right families, are seemingly the most educated, etc. This causes us to sometimes miss the one that God has set up as his leader. Could you imagine if we learned to look at leadership in the same way God does? What would the church look like if we learned to follow only those that were anointed from the horn that God provides? Not merely those that are anointed, but those that God says are of his heart. It is apparent that many have been anointed from the vessels of man and not the vessel of God. These Davids of our time will carry powerful anointings that come from the horn of God, not the flask of man. These will be the ones that lead God's people from a heart that is after God's heart. These will be the people that seek after the glory of God instead of basking in their own glory. Some have been rejected by man because they did not look like they had what it takes to lead God's people, but God has selected them for such a time as this. Others are those that have been diligently serving God by serving their fathers, even when their fathers had rejected them. They have been faithful in tending a few sheep. They have shown themselves faithful in what they have been entrusted with, which prepared them for more, much more. We have been watching as many of our leaders have fallen into sin. We have watched as many of them have rejected the process of restoration that God would have them adhere to. As heartbreaking as this is, do not get discouraged or give up. A little David is being trained in the field with a few sheep. These Davids are about to come crashing on the scene and they will know how to bring freedom to God's people and from the modern Philistines that have invaded our land. This is a time to be encouraged, not discouraged. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to encourage you after reading from my book there and just showing you some of these things, if you really think about it and you've been around the church world for any length of time, you can clearly see that the things that I've touched upon in this book are genuinely a problem in the body of Christ today. We have many that look the part, but when it comes right down to it, if we're honest, they don't really play the part or in that sense, they can't fulfill the shoes that God would have them fill because we've chosen Saul's instead of David's. Because the person that has all their P's and Q's and looks good and and sometimes sounds really good isn't always the one God has chosen and anointed. But the ones that have dirt under their fingernails, they smell of sheep because they've been out with the people of God and they've fought the bears and they've fought the lions and they've won. Those are the ones that God is choosing. And often, and it's unfortunate, but often those are the ones that have been rejected and, and sometimes even by those spiritual fathers that should have been raising them up and preparing for them for that situation and for that place. But they were rejected because, again, even in their own life, they didn't look the part. 
We've got to stop looking at one another through the eyes of the flesh and start looking at one another through through the eyes of the Spirit. And for uh, congregation members, on the one hand, I want to encourage you to truly honor and respect your church leaders. Now, you church leaders, be a person of honor. Be someone worthy of respect. And what do I mean by that? And, and I'm just going to, again, I said this in one of my other podcasts, but open up your hand and feel it and look at it. If you don't have any calluses, you're not leading God's people correctly because you are supposed to set the example. When it's work day, you should be the first one there. You should be leading the charge in cleaning the church, in working. And again, I want to I want to balance this. You can't spend all your time doing that because then you're not giving yourself to prayer and the ministry of the word. But just as Paul made tense, you can spend some time doing that. For instance, let's say you have a church work day once a month, all day Saturday, say for eight hours. You can come to that once a month work day and at least spend half the day working. If you can't, then you are failing as a pastor and you need to move aside and let some David take your place who will do the work. Because David was king. And, and we'll get into this a little bit as we go on, but David became king. And David would still go out to battle and fight. Well, he was the king. He didn't need to. He could order his troops to do that. But he led his troops in battle. He was a man's man. It was David, even as a young man, who took Goliath's head off. It was David who fought on behalf of his father's sheep and and killed the lion and killed the bear. It was David who led the battles. It was David who marched before his troops. And often when there's something going on like that that's actually work-related, or even some prayer meetings, pastors can know, cannot be found. And it's always been a strange thing to me when, um, when I hear pastors stand in the pulpit right after, you know, on a Sunday, and, it, and Saturday was the work day, they were nowhere to be found, and then they're talking about how they were getting a pedicure or a manicure. If that's your thing, go for it. But why are you doing that when your church members are working? They're getting their fingernails dirty and you're sitting somewhere in a bathrobe with cucumbers on your eyes as somebody picks the what no dirt out from under your fingernails because you won't even get yourself dirty. So it's time for us to truly be leaders in the body of Christ and show the body of Christ the way it's done and step out onto the battlefield or into the work field and lead them and show them what it is to be a true man or woman of God. And back to you congregation members, I'd say the same thing to you. Just follow the leadership of your pastors. Now, if they're the ones that just never show up and they expect you to do everything, they want to sit on their golden throne and and have you wait on them, like you're more of a servant than a fellow heir in the kingdom, Again, and I say this carefully, but I say it, maybe it's time that you find another church that is being led by a man or woman of God that will really get down and get dirty, get their fingernails dirty with you and really lead the charge. And I'm serious about that. I'm serious about this. It is your responsibility, ladies and gentlemen, to be in a healthy church, being led by a healthy leader, by a healthy pastor, by a healthy church leader. That's your responsibility. And although, in a sense, your 
We are all sheep to God first. And even to those shepherds he puts over us, you still have a mind and you have a will. You have no right, if you're a believer, to not go to church. Okay? You have no right to do that because the Bible is very clear on that. But you don't have to go to that particular church. And I'm only speaking to those that might be, you know, going to a church where it's really, yeah, our pastor does absolutely nothing and they wait and they expect everybody to wait on them like we're their servants. Those are the ones I'm talking to. And I'm not saying dishonor them. Still don't dishonor them. Do not disrespect them. But you can give a gracious goodbye and go find a church led by somebody who will actually work with you and not expect you to work for them. Because this is kingdom business. And in kingdom business, if you want to be a great leader, you have to be a great servant. Those are the words of Jesus. If you want to really lead the people powerfully, then you have to serve the people powerfully. And I don't mean just preaching a good message on Sunday. That should happen as well. But the real ministry is done Monday through Saturday in the lives of people living life together, doing life together, and yes, working and getting your fingers dirty together. So keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen and pastors. Please keep that in mind as well. We need a revolution. We need a transition so that we can start looking the way the first century church, the Book of Acts church, looked. And we have to get back to some basics. And really, again, what's our transition? Right back to the Word of God. Not the opinions of man, but the Word of God. Certainly not the doctrines of demons, but the Word of God. And we find it in Scripture, and we put it into our own lives, in our own ministries, in our own church. So God bless you all, and I hope you're being blessed by these podcasts. Thank you for joining us here at Table Flippers. I would love to hear from you. You can find my contact information at www.gwcclancaster.org. That's gwcclancaster.org. Please let us know how we are doing. I look forward to hearing your thoughts and comments. Have a fantastic day.